Luck on Sunday, proudly sponsored by Al Basti Ecruel, Dubai. Welcome to the Luck on Sunday podcast, a weekly audio digest of all the best bits of Luck on Sunday, free to air every Sunday from nine o'clock that brings you the best guests and insight from around the racing world. First up in the hot seat alongside me is a man whose name comes steeped with history. Uh, but it is spelt slightly differently. He's had a great season so far. It is Kieran Fallon, young Kieran Fallon. I was going to say Kieran, Kieran Fallon Jr., which is what you call yourself on Twitter. But then that feels not quite right because, of course, your, your first names are spelt differently. Yeah, no, like I put it on uh, Twitter just so it covers all aspects, you know, so no one gets confused and that. So it's just a little thing, isn't it, you know? And just to confirm... Kieran Cena is in the building. He, he very kindly drove you in this morning. He drove you to, to Haydock. He's putting in the hard yards with you, isn't he? Yeah, look, he probably thought all the driving was over, but no, he looks after me well, you know. He takes me most, to most meetings I ride at and helps me with all the tracks. If it's my first time riding at a track, he'll definitely come and walk the track with me, you know, and we'll look at the races and we'll see what the best thing is to do. Obviously, you've got to listen to the instructions, what the trainer gives you, but then obviously my dad will give me a little advice and tips about how to ride the track and um, you know it's, it's paid off so far I had a chat with him at Haydock about just that actually when, when I was going to this was back on Thursday and I said yeah it'd be great to get get Kieran on, on the show is it something you think he'd, he'd, he'd want to do if I go and have a chat with him he was like yeah he loves it I wouldn't have done he loves it <laughs> you, you, you do seem to you do seem to be open to doing this sort of thing perhaps more so than plenty in the press would have expected your dad to for example yeah no obviously the first few times I was a bit nervous and I was a bit like mm, but now I'm just getting used to it and I do enjoy it and it, it, it's good for the sport it's good for young jockeys and especially apprentices you know just to get themselves out there a bit more and I think it, it, it's very good to you know get yourself you know seen and shown on the racing stage and I think that it's, it's paying off for me a bit at the minute so hopefully it can carry on well it's paying off for you as well because you're riding so well and, and, and you and Sean we like to ever play these things in the press, don't we? But it adds a bit of spice to the season. We've got a, a very good outright jockeys championship at the moment and we've got a good apprentice jockey championship between you and Sean as well. I think we'll come to that, but just take me back if you can, Kieran, for you, because there was a recent Racing Post article um, which was very informative about you. And I think one of the, the main things I was surprised to read about that was when you actually first got on a thoroughbred racehorse because you'd... you'd You'd half expect, given your background, that you've been riding horses since you since you could walk, but that's not been the case. No, obviously, uh, my mum and dad split up when I was younger, so that brought me up up to Wigan with my mother, and um, there's nothing about horses up there at all. So I was kind of away, but then obviously I'd watch my dad on TV, and I kind of, and then eventually one day I woke up one Sunday morning and I just rang my dad to say, "Look, I want to be a jockey." So then I come down to Newmarket. What? Sorry, what was the response to that? He kind of just laughed. He was kind of in shock, really, because he didn't really expect it. But I think it was a, a bit—it was a relief kind of thing as well, you know. Because I think he always wanted me to be a jockey, but he never forced it upon me or ever speak to me about it. So um, you know, I gave him a call and I come down and I sat on um, 
I don't know what type of horse it was, but it wasn't a thoroughbred or anything. It was one of Adam Kirby's, and you know, after that, I went to the racing school, and then I went into William Haggis's uh, about just over two and a half, two and a half years ago now, I think. And then I was sat on the the hack for first few weeks, and then eventually put me on a, a race horse, and you know, him. He looked after me really well and he, he started me off easy, put me on nice easy rides and then just slowly progressed me onto the more difficult ones and then started putting me on gallopers. This is, and, this is William Haggis? Yeah. Everything I've done, I've come out of the race school, it's all been with uh, Mr Haggis, you know, he's he's looked after me so well and I can't thank him enough for everything he's done for me, the, you know, these three years. Um, he's the one who's actually got me to the, the stage I'm at now, he's got me to, you know, gaining confidence because I think it's a confidence thing as well as... And I think if you start off and you're falling off, I think you get knocked and you don't really want to do it. But he looked after me and put me on the nicer horses and then he just progressed me through there. I mean, there, there must be some serious natural ability there. And, and, and obviously, I suppose that there would be. But natural horsemanship to be able to, in, in three years, really, from, from going to, to the racing school to riding in a yard like William Haggis's to now challenging for an, an apprentice title... You know, there must be an element of, 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 I'm sure you've worked incredibly hard and put everything you can into it, but you, you must have felt an, an, a natural sort of connection with the horse initially, no? Yeah, it, it's funny because, like, I don't know, I just get, I, I have, when I sit on a horse, I just find myself comfortable and I, just, I don't get a feeling I do when I sit on a horse. Like, when I used to play football and rugby, I used to get such an adrenaline and I, and I did love it, but not, not, not a feeling I get when I sit on a horse. It's, I don't know, it's strange, but I get some good connection, good feeling, and I just I feel like I can, I can, you know, understand the horse. You know, I think that would be the, the main thing, you know, getting a good connection with the horse for the 30 seconds you have before you actually race ride. And I think if you, you know build that little bit of a relationship and connection with the horse before the race, I think that, you know, you can just get a little bit more out of them. As a a 16-year-old guy, when, when horse racing was it, how old are you now, Kieran? At 20. So so just before perhaps you make that that decision to, that you want to go and be a jockey, what were the other options? You're quite a keen sportsman, you're quite a good sportsman? Yeah, look, I, everything I've been doing has all been sport. I've never been academically good or anything like that. So, you know, I played football academies and I went, I went to college and, you know, I used to run for North Wales and, you know, it was always something to do with sport. I knew I was going to go down the sporting route, but I didn't know quite what I wanted to do yet. And then, um, you know, I was lucky to be able to get into the racing school and, you know, progress through that way and we're, we're here today. Did you feel a bit of pressure at the racing school? Because I can imagine lots of people your age are in there, but perhaps with your name, I'm sure comes a, a little bit of pressure, a little bit of um, added added weight on your shoulders, perhaps, whether you feel it or not, I don't know, but people looking at you going, well, he has to be good because... D- did you feel that, perhaps, even though you were in the same boat as many of them and you had to say, look, I'm, I'm, I've not been around horses, this is as new for me as it is for you? No, I think because when I wasn't in the racing you know, world type of thing, I was just an outsider and I didn't actually realise how good my dad was because I was just watching the racing as it was and I know he, he rode a few winners and that but I didn't see <laughs> him did, yeah. I didn't see him as, as good as he was so when I went to the racing school I just known him as another jockey so to me I didn't feel like there was any pressure because I didn't know how good he actually was but now obviously understanding it all and knowing what he's achieved I do understand how good he actually was but I still don't find any pressure because like I said before when I sit on the horse I just just connect with the horse it's me and the horse and I just get on with my job so is it something you've now got pleasure in Kieran going back and actually looking at, at, at what your, your dad did and what he achieved in the saddle and I suppose with a different perspective of it you can actually go back and watch and, and perhaps learn and understand exactly what he was doing at a certain time yeah definitely I I, I must have watched 
all these rides on YouTube a thousand times, you know, especially at Epsom. The first ever time I rode at Epsom, I must have watched that clip non-stop from when I left home to the track, you know, and I, I get some buzz just watching it because when I finally rode at Epsom, I could actually understand the, the buzz coming down. Which one, which, what, which one we, what we're talking here? Um, Chris Kinn or...? Um, yeah, Chris Kinn in the derby and, oh, just... As soon as when I rode a winner, I, I kind of I got my two phones and I kind of watched and tried to, you know, see the similarities. But now it's some feeling there. Luck on Sunday, proudly sponsored by Albasti Cruel Dubai. Welcome back to Luck on Sunday. Nearly full team in the studio alongside me. Emma Say will be in a little bit later. I'm p pleased to say that Maddie Player of the Racing Post is alongside. Kieran Fallon is still in and Jim Boyle has joined me as well. Uh, Maddie, how are you? All well? Yeah, all good, thanks. Yeah. Uh, Jim, how's things? Life good? You're, you're off to Windsor for the first today? Yeah, I got one at Windsor today, so um, be shooting straight from here when we're done. Has Kieran ridden for you before? He uh, has uh, once. Um, gave the filly a good ride, have to say that, don't I? You have to say that. <laughs> He's no, she, right next to you. She was a bit unlucky, actually. She, she, she just got a bit of trouble in running, but it was a good third, and uh, yeah, yeah no, clearly would be looking to use him again. Um, Kieran was, was talking about Epsom and the, and, and the place and looking back at his dad's wins there and then going and riding there and what that was like. I mean, you're an Epsom trainer. Do you, do you still get that, that feeling of the place being steeped in history? I suppose, given your time there, how long you've been there, I suppose it wears thin to an extent, but... I mean, it's a, it's a track you still have great success at, and you obviously still target being your local track. Yeah, I mean, look, there's a couple of factors there. Yes, it is steeped in history. History doesn't sort of pay the bills. Um, so from a, our point of view, we need to forget about its history and, and, and make sure we're looking to the future, um, um, and which we're looking to do with our, our yard and you know, knock down, redevelop, and, and build a brand new yard. And Epsom needs that, needs a, um, you know, some new infrastructure there. Um, because the location and facilities and everything else are, are superb, second to none. Um, but, yeah, we love the buzz around Epsom Derby. Um, it, you know, it puts quite a lot of pressure on us as trainers that two weeks before the Derby, there's a lot of razzmatazz going on, a lot, a lot of build-up on the downs, and we've got to train our horses on there. So, um, you know, it's, not tin it's tinged with a little bit of making things more difficult for those two weeks, but the whole buzz around the place is superb. Um, and the... You know, the other meetings we, we clearly like to target um, and um, we've had a, a good summer there. Those, those evening meetings through July, we've had, I think, three winners and, uh, and um, you know, out of the four meetings and, yeah, it's gone really well. Where, where are you on, on Epsom as a training establishment? I mean, it feels as though once a year there is, there is something where Epsom gets a, a bit of a, a bashing, if you like, as a training establishment in comparison to, the, to, to where Newmarket is now, to perhaps where Lambourne is now. I mean, where do you stand on Epsom as a training establishment? What would you like to see... Epsom wise to if you like get it get it back to where it once was is that fair me saying that yeah I mean look I've been there since I started training 18 years ago um, so where I stand I've had plenty of opportunities to go elsewhere but um, I love it and I really believe in it um, and I think there is it's never going to be get back to where it was um, you know it was the biggest training centre in the country 70 odd years ago middle of the last century um, uh, it's never going to get back there because there's not the Infrastructure in place to to allow that to happen again because a lot of the yard has been built on and now houses. Um, you know we are arresting that process um, and trying to reverse it. And we're looking to, you know, I think we'd, we'd dip down to from a peak of 670 horses in training. It had got down to 125 or something like that. 
we're building back up towards 200 now um, with a view to getting back to 300 plus but that needs quite a few things to fall into place in terms of yard redevelopments and, and things like that um, which um, you know we're say on ours hoping to have good news next month on um, Philip Mitchell's old yard Downs house that's got planning permission and hopefully they're going to start building that early next year that's a 70 box yard um, and there's one or two other things in the pipeline and all of a sudden if you can start getting in a number of new horses and, and trainers and owners um, you know you get this sort of self-fulfilling cycle um, and you need a, a few good Saturday horses and big winners and um, um, you know I think time and again Epsom trainers have proven they can do the job with the ammunition they've got and we've just got to increase the amount and quality of that ammunition. And you are in the, the middle of yard redevelopment yourselves are you? That's, well, that's been an ongoing process. It's, it's been a um, yeah. Dread to think how many years. I mean, we first started looking at redeveloping the yard, which is a very, very old yard. It's over 150 years old. Um, within three years of me being there, so in 2004, we were looking at redoing it. Um, and it's uh, there's been all sorts of difficulties along the way with local opposition, local council, bits and pieces. But we're now in the final stages of our application, and we're we're, we're looking to have it decided next month. Um, and we hope for a positive outcome, and that would allow us to knock down complete the yard we've got there we've got 60 boxes but we can only really use about 20 to 23 24 of those boxes um and and some of those sort of through gritted teeth so we've really been had our hand behind our back for, for quite a long time now if we can get the new yard 60 boxes brand new purpose-built modern yard you know we, we really feel we can kick on again i suppose the 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 epsom issue if you like as a, as a training establishment and a fine training establishment and a fine racetrack it is but in comparison to say where you are based now Kieran in, in Newmarket and the, the redevelopment they've had in, in recent times and the injection of, of money they've had it, perhaps Epsom Maddie that the proximity to London that there is a space issue there yeah there is I mean as Jim said I think it would be unrealistic to say we can get it back to where it once was but at the same time I think more could be done you know whether that be by council on race days and, and when it comes to Derby really giving it that sort of feel good fact I mean we published some photos after this year's derby of you know over the last couple of years what the the hill looked like for example mm. and I think we just need to really connect back with the public um, and get them through the gates it's, a, it's an interesting one you go to Newmarket as well the the I know they've they've, um, they've done it with the, the heritage center that's open there they've tried to encourage almost non-racing people to come to the town and then and then be a part of of racing as well. Is there is there a disconnect, do you think, in the, in the town you train in between the, the local people there and, and, and the, the horses roaming the streets, if you like? Definitely, and and that's a, a major thing that we're going to try and reverse is, is this disconnect between town and, and, and the race course and the racing establishments. You know, we've got to engage better with the locals and get them to come along on this journey because, you know, it's, it's totally true, Newmarket is a racing town. You know, it's racing foremost and, and, the, and the town goes along with it. Epsom is a a London suburb now it's with with racing tacked on almost which it never used to be um, and we've got to definitely get that engagement and, and be much more cohesive with the local community Was it a shock to your system new market wise when you're you're, you're literally walking the horse across the, the zebra crossing with traffic coming both ways, aren't you? Yeah, definitely it was a shock. But no, I think it, I think it's really good that the that you know the locals are all in with it. You know, I think it's a it's a great environment around there in the morning. Uh, Jim, it, it, we'll, we'll discuss that perhaps a, a little bit more later on. We need to get into our a racing review and review what we've enjoyed over the last few days on racing TV. Um, that in particular, the, the highlight of the weekend was the, the Group 1 Phoenix Stakes. It was won by Jair Lyons, it was won by Siskin. It was just a five-runner affair, but it was a very, very good one. And the unbeaten Colts Siskin are lined up there, back over six furlongs. Um, 
you had Monarch of Egypt in there, who was perhaps, well, I think some gave him a good chance of reversing that form before Siskin went off odds on, Maddie. But you know, this, is a, this is a horse who, I think Jair describes him in the, the post today, whether he, he wanted to or not, we'll come to that perhaps, but he, he describes him as a feeling of the underdog. Um, he wasn't the underdog on the day, given how the, the, the betting found it and, and how he went about it. This is a serious cult, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. I'm, I'm a big fan of the cult, and I think it's really refreshing, isn't it, that we've not got an Aidan O'Brien-trained juvenile. You know, it's Gerlines, it's someone new, it's Colin Keane, both of them notching, you know, really significant win with Siskin. And for me, this horse, um, if you look at his pedigree, it's, it's, he's by um, First Defence American Sire, and it's all very fast. So I don't think this soft ground would have suited him or necessarily Monarch of Egypt, but his asset is his turn of foot and his cruising speed. And if you look at the race, Monarch of Egypt arguably gets first run on him a little bit, but he's just got the class to come out. But I'm convinced he's all about speed. Um, I wouldn't be thinking about a mile personally just yet. Um, and I think, you know, back on fast ground, that's when you'll really see the best of him. Well, and this was a great Group 1 performance, but, but Jer was saying, you know, that I, I was worried about the rain. It went soft. To, Jim, to, to your mind, uh, you know, horses like this, when they're that good, they can't, for all they may have a ground preference, they can win on any ground. Um, yeah, I mean, yes, class will, will generally out, but there are some horses that, that absolutely won't perform to their best. Um, you know, when conditions go against them, and there's no doubt to win races like this, you need to be, you know, you need to be at your best. So, you know, if the horse really hasn't enjoyed the ground and he's still done what he's done, then you know, it's a, it's a superbly impressive performance. But I don't think every horse you'd say would would get through soft ground and, and still um, and still be able to deliver even the class ones because you know, some it really really doesn't seem. I thought Monarch of Egypt about two fellows out had come to go on and win the race, and actually he's pretty comfortably beaten in the end. Kerry, what's what's one Sisk in that race to, to your mind, other, other than class? What specifically suited him there? Do you think? I think that the turn of foot he showed was very impressive, you know, and um, you know he, he battled on really game when they were upside. You know, he, he put his head down and he knuckled on well to put the race to bed. And I think, you know, like the the main factor of it was his, his turn of foot, you know, and like you know, Manny was saying, you know, speed, speed, bread. I'm pleased to say that uh, Jer Lyons is on the phone now and, and can reflect on, on that performance on Friday night. Jer, welcome to the show. Thanks very much for, for joining us. In all seriousness, that, that rain that fell the soft ground, how much of a concern was that for you for Siskin? Oh, it was huge because we know him on a dead gallop at home. He just, like his forte is that turn of speed, you know, when Colin asks him to go, he can put three lengths between him and the others. And basically, the soft was always going to just level the playing field a bit. Now, but it was the same for every horse on the night. I mean, Monarch of Egypt, I know they think a lot of him, and he possibly wants better ground as well, but we beat him on better ground. Um, so I just, I was just very worried that when Colin pressed the go button that we'd be stuck in the mud a bit, but thankfully the horse pulled it out. Mm, he, he really did. Kieran uh, Fallon, who's in alongside, saying that, you know, that, that explosive turn of footy showed perhaps one in the race. How... How quick is this horse with a view to, to what he might do in future and how close are you to making a decision as to, to what trip he might venture over next year? Well, that's something we'll discuss and as Teddy said, we'll leave the dust settle over the weekend but, I mean, he'll be in all the, the relevant races. Obviously, the Middle Park uh, is sponsored by the owners and he's in the Vincent O'Brien over here so they all come around the same time and then you've got the Dewhurst. So, I mean, I'm not thinking anywhere beyond that at the moment and... Um, I'd agree with everybody that there's no immediate uh, reason to be stepping him up in trip. Um, I, I, I would like to see him back on nice ground. If you put the gun to my head at this moment in time, you'd have to be thinking it was the middle park would be his next race, but uh, we'll discuss that in the next week. Did you 
did you always feel at the start of the season, Jer, that, that, that this was your, your your best colt, if you like? Did you always feel he was a, he was a very special horse, a Group One horse in the making, or, or has he surprised you with what he's achieved so far this year? No, I mean, at the start of the season, you never know what our two-year-olds are going to be. That's always a lucky bag, like a lucky dip. We don't know what's going to come out, and you just hope that something does. We always know what we have regarding three-year-olds and older horses, and we genuinely thought we'd a mixed, ordinary bunch of older horses being, you know, who's Steph, a genuine Group 3 horse, and Mustard Year was the best older horse we had, but the rest of them were just horses who were going to win races. So we were putting a lot of hope and faith in that the batch of two-year-olds we had, that something would pop its head up and be better than average, never hoping, you know, we're always hoping for a Group 1 horse, but I'm 20-odd years looking for one, so um, we weren't going to hold our breath. And, and um, listen, once you've been chosen to train for Prince Khaled and you're on this team, anything is possible, and it's just a huge privilege to be training for them. And I think as well, you know, your, your interviews afterwards, you and Colin, it's nice for us to see how much you're enjoying this, the both of you together. But, you know, you, you still had a, an odds-on shot in a, in a Group 1 up against the, the Team Ballydoyle, if you like. But, you, you know, you, you've said that do you feel a little bit of underdog about you going in against those battalions? Do you, do you still sense that, even with a cult of this class who's proved himself? No, listen, that's a little bit uh, tongue-in-cheek. In that, I mean, you can never say a Judmont colour is an underdog. Mm. I mean, I'll be talking about Ger and, and, and the jockey, but when, when you're, you're, you're going to war over here with Ballydoyle, with Ballydoyle every year, every day of the week, you know, Aidan's doing this regularly, so it is, it is hard. Um, like normally when push comes to shove in group races or historically for me anyway like in in our other colours when we'd arrive at the furlong pole like we did on Friday night Aidens would click into gear and off they'd go and we'd be found wanting and it was just a nice surprise that we weren't found wanting Listen, the underdog thing is just you know everybody is sort of it's not fair on Aiden because they've brought the game to a new level over here and, and I credit them with making the rest of us better trainers. Um, but when they're winning everything, just the general feeling is that they'd like somebody else to win, you know. So it's just nice that it was our turn on Friday. And you have, you've graced the front page of the, the Racing Post this morning, Jerry, and you've made your, your feelings clear about that. But is it fair to say from as far as the guineas goes that you know, you, you're, you're not thinking that way yet. You don't want to think that far ahead yet, trip-wise perhaps, or even into his three-year-old season because we're in August. It's one step at a time with this horse. Absolutely. That was just a ridiculous um, slow news day headline. I did. The paragraph that was written by young Mark didn't deserve a headline like that, and it's just, it's just bad sub-editing as, as far as I'm concerned. I was asked a, a very simple question, and, and I don't bet. It's irrelevant, absolutely irrelevant to me what price the horse is. I couldn't care less. Um, but at this time of the year, talking about nearly single-digit figures for a guineas, which is next May, when you know, and every every member of your panel there knows that when Aiden starts launching these these machines that he's going to launch or, or has done historically over the last, you know, from here on into the end of the season, you know that picture's going to change dramatically between now and then. And there's every chance, every every horse bar, maybe maybe armory on on that screen that you have there, won't even be figured in the guineas. <laughs> We, we put it up, Jay, we put it up. But, you know, that's where we are, isn't it? You have a vintage stakes performance from a Pina Tubo and immediately get single-figure quotes for, for a guineas. And, and your horse wins a group one over six, and, and we put him into that bracket. Um, and, I, you know, I suppose if, if you do allow yourself to, to look ahead, 
he's he's whether it's classic aspirations or not you've got the the commonwealth cup as well you know you you must be excited all being well to to have a horse to go to war with as a 3 year old in those in those races i mean and and do you see him physically jer as a horse that that is going to develop into a into a really strong a, a really capable group 1 3 year old you live in hope. I mean, I, I'm not. I'm not being glib, uh, Tom. But I'm not. I'm not looking that far ahead. I'm. I'm concentrating on his two-year-old career, and like you and I mightn't even be here next year. So we'll worry about that next season when when it when it produces itself. But at the moment, I'm concentrating on 2019, and um, delighted to have a very good cause on my hands, and and hopefully the years of failing has taught me how to look after one from, from this point forward. So he hasn't let me down, and it's a question of me not letting him down now from here on home. Uh, Jed, thanks very much for your time. He's a brilliant coach. Can I just say, Tom, Please can do. I just say, I worked with um, Kieran's mother, Julie, back in the day with Nigel Tinkler, and uh, they could just say he's a credit to his mum and dad, and uh, it's lovely to see him doing so well. Jer, you're very kind. You put a smile on his face as well. So uh, thank you very much indeed. Jer, great, great for you to join us this morning. Well done on Friday and good luck with Siskin and all the yard for the rest of the season. Thanks, Tom. Cheerio. Luck on Sunday. Proudly sponsored by Albasti Cruel Dubai. It was a great weekend for uh, William Haggis as well, who we've already talked about the, this morning with uh, Kieran Fallon, who, of course, that's where he, he's working at the moment in Newmarket. Now, this was the Group 3 Rose of Lancaster Stakes. This was a Dave winning another group race off the back of, I suppose, what was a, a bit of a disappointment at York. Ask William about that very shortly. Uh, but this gym seems to be where this horse is at his very best over this sort of trip and specifically, we've talked about ground being important to horses. Well, we can categorically say it seems to be important to to, to a day for him to show his best cut in the ground. Yeah, I think there's plenty of evidence of that now, and um, and, and and this was just further further proof. Um, you know, travelled very strongly into it and um, and and put the race to bed nicely. So when he gets his conditions, clearly a very good horse. And he, he won a, a Lincoln, of course. He then tried to step up in the lock-ins, perhaps was poorly drawn on on that occasion and didn't get his ground. And then it's taken a while, Maddie, for him to to get back to this. It didn't quite work out last season, Champion Stakes, etc. But he is now seemingly just just showing, I think, exactly what we all thought he was capable of. Yeah, and as Jim's mentioned, I think a lot of that is down to the ground. Um, we've seen that, obviously, with him. I mean, what he did with Ascot was really impressive as well. He sort of showed an electric turn of foot, and he got in all sorts of trouble early on there. So he's clearly a very capable horse. Entries in uh, the Judmont and the Champion Stakes, so it'd be interesting to see what William says. Have you sat on him at home? Yep, I galloped him, and, you know, he gives me some feel in the morning. Um, but, but you know the ground is very crucial to him, and you know when he gets that soft ground, he just shows how, how good he actually is. I mean, is he is he one that we, you know you've got on him in the morning, and you and you, you can feel that difference? Yeah, you, you know you know you're sat on a good horse when you when you sit on him. He's a you know he's a powerful horse, and you know he gets through that soft ground very easily, and he, he proves it. Um, he proves it when he runs like that in the on the, on the soft ground. Yeah, he was he was. Excellent yesterday. William Haggis joins me on the line. I'm pleased to say off the back of William, what was a great day for you yesterday, a sixth time, and many congratulations. Thank you very much, Tom. I thought Kieran was going for a haircut yesterday morning, but I don't know whether he's had one. <laughs> I wondered how long it would be until you mentioned something like that. Have you had one, Kieran? Yeah, I had one, yeah. It looks, it's very short back and sides, long at the front. Yeah. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. The fashion. I can <laughs> highly recommend it. Um, William, t t talk to me about uh, Dave and, and, and this season. Has he, has he shown you everything that you, you, you hoped he would last season when perhaps things didn't quite work out? 
Well, he 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 was very impressive at Ascot. Um, I thought he was really good there, and I don't think, to be fair, he's been quite as good since. And I think he's possibly a better horse, fresh. And uh, I think, as as everyone's alluded to, the ground is very important to him. But he's he's a, a good galloping horse, and he's woken up a bit in a few pieces. And uh, you know, he's pretty effective on heavy ground. Uh, reflect on on York if you can. It just just I know he was a little bit short of room late on, but I mean, to your mind, he he was beaten there, was he? And, and just not quite showing his best on that day. Yeah, for, for, I mean, it was one of those. We thought the same was going to happen yesterday, where they were predicting tons of rain, but York didn't actually get as much as as they thought we were going to get. And I don't think the ground was actually as quite as soft as. He likes it. Now, yesterday, I was getting videos from my travelling team uh, of rain teeming down. It was marvellous. And uh, Richard said the ground was very loose and very uh, uh, very heavy, but they were going through it. Well, that is perfect. If anyone can remember as far back as the Lincoln, I mean, it was bottomless that day, and he absolutely sluiced up. Will you... Do you think you will venture back into Group One company with this horse? Has he earned his right off the back of yesterday to, to go back up into that company? Look, I, I think Group One races on heavy ground can have completely different results to the, to the same race on fast ground. So there's obviously one obvious race at the end of the season, uh, which is over seven figures, and it's a uh, it's been run on heavy ground for the last two or three. Years. Mm. I think that's that's the right way forward for him. Um, Miss O'Connor was was excellent as well. Does she fit into that that bracket as well as, as a, a filly that's better with a bit of cut underfoot on on the limited evidence we've seen so far? Well, seemingly. I mean, we have we have uh, run her twice on soft ground. Georgia rode her at uh, at uh, Nottingham and said she it felt like good ground on her. And then, um, you know, again, it rained and suited her well, and she's a listed winner. But I'd like to give some credit to my son, who, who rang me up and said, there's a filly in Ireland who's never run before, won a maiden at Gore, and then she ran a very good figure, and I think she's a stakes filly. And I said, give it up. <laughs> and uh, and uh, um, so he ran through the pedigree, which confirmed that he was talking nonsense. Anyway, he... Uh, persuaded one of our clients to buy her and fair play to him she's she's not much to look at but uh, she can run a bit and she's I love the way she gallops she she loves it up the front and she's very genuine filly and uh, I think she's got more to offer uh, uh, Sheen wasn't so sure that she had to have it very soft uh, so we will try on it on a bit better ground but I think uh, the fact that when it's really soft she handles it then, um, you know, it does slow the others down too. Mm. Could you step up and trip, and would there be perhaps a, a later season race you'd have in mind for, for her? Um, I thought she could step up in trip, um, but uh, Asheen wasn't so sure. Um, I thought she was going away again at the line, and I thought uh, once he copped hold of her, she, she really stretched well. So I think she wouldn't get further. Uh, I've got her in no smart races, but um, now she's won a listed race and created some value. Uh, I think we'll start making a few better entries, but I don't know how far she'll go, but she's come a hell of a long way in and, two starts. And an excellent day, William, for, for you nearly got even better last night. Awesome tank ran, ran really well at, at uh, the Beverly D. You delighted with that? 
Oh, I was absolutely thrilled to bits with her. And she's really enjoyed the training. We, they've been sending us videos um, of her work, daily work, and she's looked as happy as Larry out there. And I thought she was sensibly written. The, the, the um, pacemaker went a million. Uh, but she stuck to her task really well. Uh, the winner's obviously a very good filly, smashed the track record, and she's now won five grade, grade ones. That's the first group one or grade one she's ever run in Awesome Tank. And she was clear second best, and I was absolutely thrilled to bits with her. Yeah, and a great bit of prize money for for the owners and yourselves, etc., to, to pick up as well. It would be silly of me to let you go without asking you to, to just comment on the, the chap that's sat two to my left young Kieran Fallon. He's been very nice about you, William, so your chance to return the favour or not, if you like. Well, unfortunately, I haven't been able to watch because Sunday's always, as he will know, a pretty busy morning for us. Um, so I shall watch after I get back from uh, Leicester tonight. But he's done really well. Don't, don't uh, be under any illusions. This young man, is, uh, he's, done, he's got a very bright future. He's a very sensible guy, works very hard, and he couldn't ride a horse. He hadn't ridden a horse two years ago, and now he's vying uh, for leading apprentice. And, uh, and he's sensible. I think he's tightening up very well his riding. He's got good good family behind him, and he's got a lot to offer. And his mate, uh, our apprentice who rides in the other one of the other apprentices, Gianluca Sana, rode his first winner the other day for someone else uh, at Haydock, and. Uh, Kim was on the favourite and he was absolutely as thrilled as Jan Duca was that he won so he's got a bit of uh, uh, human kindness in him too he's going to go a long way Karen and uh, if we can look after him and uh, he keeps his head on and uh, keeps being sensible and thoughtful he'll go a long way Luck on Sunday Proudly sponsored by Albasti Ecruel Dubai. Nikki has really developed that reputation that's been built over time of, of getting horses to be able to come back and back to their best. Sprinter, of course, coming back from, from his issues to, to win a, a champion chaser. And Altiora as well to, to come back from, from his injury to, to, to win at Newbury en route to, to, to his champion chase. He, he really has been the master of that and you were, you were such a part of it. He gives him time to come back. He wait at the horse tell him. And he does, his patience is unreal. He would say, like, you know, this horse is okay, he can go now. Why don't he get on with him? But now he waits and waits gradually, gradually waits for the horse. And next thing you see the horse jumping and kicking. And I thought, ooh, there he is, that's why he, that's why he knows the horse. Yeah, yeah, he, he waits for us. So Spencer was a great example. He came back from the dead, really, didn't he? That's what a hard problem. Came and left him all year, left him alone, didn't bother him. Brought him back in to training. Walk and trot, walk and trot. Hack one hack now and again. Waited, waited, waited. Until he see that horse. Could turn himself inside out and he said, he's back. That's how good he is, a trainer. Patience. And also with Sprinter, not just to get him back, having tried to come back. It wasn't as if he came back from injury and won it straight away. He came back that year and and he, he was he was beaten. I think he, I think he pulled up first go. And I think a lot would have drawn stumps then and said, well, we tried. But you still kept going, and the following year got him back and got him back to win. Good as ever, yeah. How, how it's, it, it's a how great it, achievement. Like it feels great achievement. We all felt, you know, I was a miracle to bring him back and do what he did. In 
I mean, it, it was incredible, really. Were you involved in that process, Corky? We're all involved. Everybody in the yard is involved with horses. Of all the champion chasers, I think there, there have been there have been six. I think from here, is he or was he the the most talented, raw ability-wise, Sprinter Sacra? Top two, anyway. Who's the, who, who's the other? Well, it's hard to say. I mean, Altiora's <laughs> got to be put in, put in, put in there. Some people say well, he's better, and some people say he's not better. But we can't say. You can't say. You'd like to say, but you can't say. They have their, their differences. Though, yeah, of course they, they do. Horses. Yeah, two different types of strains, developed horses, two different different characters. Spender looks a big, proud. That's when he carries his head on the floor. Children are racing in everywhere. But you wouldn't want to see him this time of the year. He'd frighten you. <laughs> Would he? Yeah. Oh, he touches the ground now and again when he's riding out. This is Altion. Oh, Altion, yeah. Lively, lively, very lively till this time of the year for about three months. <laughs> but uh, great horse me. I feel like we've jumped, Corky. We've got we talked about see you then right right near the start. We've come forward to to the most recent champion chase winners. In that in that interim time, there were some in, some incredible horses, champion hurdle winners, etc. Yeah. What who who really sticks in your in your mind from that middle period? Yeah, Remittance Man, Remittance Man was a good chaser, mm. champion chaser. Uh, first bout, of course, he wouldn't, as he said, me or see it in one. Because we never had the same followers no, up to then. But uh, we, I backed uh, well, we always had a few quid in the mid in, in, in uh, October, November. But that's part it of it. Triumphal. But that's part yeah. of it, particularly the National Hunt game. Did that always give you a bit of satisfaction in, in October, November, looking ahead to March and going? We did. We had, we, had, we, had a we never had a triumph runner. Never had a children runner. Never mind anything else. Hmm. We thought this could win a triumph just useful. So as Christmas come, he hadn't ran. The bad weather set in. In January, he hadn't ran, and I was getting worried with my little few quidditch way. 50 to 1, and um, company come out and he says, we're going to get a job, get a run into him. He said, you know, he says, the only place we can go. I said, where? He said, Plumpton. I said, what? Jeez, you wouldn't run a donkey there. He said, we, we've got to qualify. You, you can't, you know, if he doesn't win a race, he doesn't qualify at that time. I said, Jesus, Plumpton. So anyway, he runs in Plumpton. Wins, easy of course. Nice Monday afternoon. Must yeah, have I think it was a Monday. Yeah. Anyway, thought we were, at least he's qualified. He handicapped back, handicapped going back three days afterwards. He said Nikki and I qualified for the race. The race he won was a egg and spoon race. Because there was seventy horses that won two races. And he said the race he really she won is just penny hit me race. He'll have to go again. I said, where are we going to go? Only one place, he said, Newbury. I said, that's 10 days before Cheltenham. Nicky likes to give you sort of plenty of rest mm. between. He said, yeah, well, that's all we can do. We're going to run. He said, the only thing is not to run. Oh, I said, you'll have to go to Newbury. <laughs> you'll have to go to Newbury. So yeah, anyway, we went to Newbury. Yeah, I think he won 20 lunch, I think. So, and and then, then came the triumph and the rest is history. And the triumph, he came in, won the triumph, which was 
relief. A good day. But we knew we could train one then. We knew we could get one ready. We knew we had a good one before it happened, which is nice. Luck on Sunday, proudly sponsored by our Basti at Cruel Dubai. Uh, it was great to catch up with Corky Brown earlier on in the week. Uh, what a guy to chat to him and reflect on an amazing career. Um, another retirement has been announced. Not quite such a, a long career, a different one as well. Uh, but um, Emma Sayer to my left has, I think, gone out on good terms with the industry as far as being a jockey goes. And Emma, it could be training which lies ahead. First of all, great to have you here. Well done last Monday with uh, with Radana and at Ascot prior to that. And you're all smiles sat here now, and, and that's it as far as, as being a jockey goes. Yes, um, thank you very much for having me on the show. Um, yes, I'm, I've had the chance for the last week to reflect on, you know, everything in the last 11 years, and I feel very lucky to be sat here having had a many highs um, over the last 11 years and just a couple of lows. If, if somebody had, had sat you down, say, four years ago and, and said, four years' time, you, you will be hanging up your boots, I mean, w would that then have been a huge disappointment to you? Yes, probably, because four years ago I was riding as an apprentice and I thought, you know, I was, I was going to have a long career riding, that was my dream, um, but then, you know, things happen and your path changes direction um, but we've gone with it and it's it's all worked out. I mean you say things happened I mean <laughs> effectively breaking your neck is, is a huge thing to happen to to any jockey just take us back to the first instant if you if you can um, what happened and, and, and where were you and how serious was it? Yeah the first time I fractured my neck I was racing in Dieppe in 2013 um, and I was on an invitation race for the Fagentry. I was a Fagentry re representative at the time and I'd had a winner in Catan, a winner in Oman and my season was, was really great. Um, but then I went to Dieppe and I had my fall and broke my neck. But actually that cloud had a silver lining because I meant, it meant I lost just over a stone and when eventually I was recovered I was able to come back as an apprentice. Um, which opened up more opportunities for me. That's quite a positive to take <laughs> to take out of that. But I appreciate you putting a positive spin on it. Um, I mean, did you did you? We always felt that you were going to come back from it. I mean, breaking your neck sounds incredibly serious, but from your specific injury, it was it was never a case of anything hugely serious. It was it was going to be you you would be able to return to race riding, and you were comfortable with that. Yeah, the first time it was you know it was a it was a relatively straightforward fracture of the neck and within six weeks I remember begging my mum to let me just hack around the roads with my neck brace on because I was just desperate to get to get back on board. The second time possibly wasn't quite as straightforward because there was more soft tissue damage to the neck and we knew it would be a longer road to recovery and I think mentally having gone through it the first time I think on reflection I didn't want to chance it and be going through that for a third time as well. So off the back of the first time, uh, how old were you when the, the first time it happened? Sorry. I was 21. So you're 21, mm -hmm. career ahead of you, um, you have that, that huge setback. Was there, was there no element of you that thought, crikey, I'm a, I'm a young girl that's just done this, do I really want to get back on a horse? There was no fear element, anything like that? No, surprisingly, after the first time I did it, I was raring to go. I was desperate to get back on board and it never, because I think it happened in France and it happened on a horse that 
um, I'd never sat on before and it happened over the steeplechase. I never rode over fences again. Mother and I discussed it and we said no more over fences, but no. Never, I never had a second question after that first initial fall. And you had a, you know, you had a really good couple of seasons as well riding on the flat, didn't you? And, 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 and you know, did you, uh, then what were the, what were the aspirations for Emma Sayre? What was Emma Sayre going to go on and become? Well, I was, you know, every day was a new challenge because I'm a, a strongly built girl and I, my bottom weight, I got down to eight stone one, which was a struggle. And initially I was extremely disciplined and, you know, I, I saw it as, well, if I can be disciplined and maintain my weight, then there's endless opportunities. Um, and within sort of a year and a half, my weight started creeping up and I started to think, oh, actually, this is a real tough, tough road ahead. Um, and then the turning point from going apprentice back to amateur was when I won the uh, jockey club £20,000 development award uh, that was my 25th winner and you can ride 25 winners as an apprentice before you're not allowed to revert back to an amateur so on that 25th winner I said right I'll go back amateur and because by that point my weight was really, really, I was really struggling with it. Uh, that is no longer in existence, that award now, but that was for, for winning at Carlisle, then going on to win the, 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 the culmination race, if you like, at Haydor. Yes. Yeah. Did, did, did it make a huge difference, huge difference to you? Oh, huge. I mean, having won that award, we went into different meetings to discuss what would you like to do with that money? How can it aid your career? And the very first thing I did, I put um, Cool Baranka, who is a 15-time winning mayor, who's won 11 races for me, we put her into foal. So actually, I now have a yearling at home that hopefully one day my dream will be to train him myself and he will be my first runner on the course. Whether that happens or not, you know, who knows? But that was an opportunity that I wouldn't have been able to do. Um, it allowed me to pay towards my training courses and I've completed my trailer test I've been abroad, you know, it's, it's money gives you opportunity, doesn't it? And I was so lucky to have won that. And how did you, this is a topic we're going to, to come on to in talking points and perhaps off the back of that as well, but as a female rider, how, how did you find general opportunities in the racing world? You know, I think sometimes we are so, we're negative, we have a negative outlook on what we have, but yet I think in reflection, there's lots of opportunity out there. Um, you, you never felt held back in any way by by being a, a young female rider. You 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 felt you had plenty of opportunity. Yes, absolutely. I feel the jockeys in the weighing room they were very supportive, um, and I think that every trainer that I rode for they turned me riding for them into a positive. Whether it was because their horse needed a possibly a more sympathetic ride, or you know, I think trainers do their best to do the right thing for the horse. And if the right thing for the horse is putting a girl on or a guy on, that's what they're going to do. I think regardless, you know, they try to do their best for their horses and... Let's, let, I know that's something we're going to come back to. Um, with regard to your second injury, was that a very similar injury? That was Carmel, wasn't it? That was at Carmel uh, last summer, yes. And how, I mean, what was, I've gone back and tried to look at the footage and you can't actually see yourself coming off. You were on the front runner, front runner was going back through the field, the tree bend, you, you turn in, you see a horse in front kick up a little bit mm. and then obviously you don't see you, you come down, but, but you did come to grief there. How, how, we, how much were you aware of, of what had happened to you? Um, well, I was very aware. You know, as soon as we stumbled and I hit, hit the floor, I, I, having had the injury, I knew that 
it was going to be a very similar outlook to my previous injury. And the first time I fractured my C3 and my C4, and that time last summer, I fractured my C4 and my C5, but I also had soft, soft tissue damage as well. Is, is that, so, excuse my ignorance on this, is that something you get up and walk away from? Uh, well, the first time I did actually, but no, um, at Cartmel, I lied there and I did not move, and they actually air ambulanced me to Preston Hospital. Where was Mum? Mum was right there with me. I mean, we were, I actually was devastated because I had Ailani, who was the favourite in the final race, which was an amateur race, and I was gutted because I thought he had a really, really good chance. And not only had I, was I missing out on the ride, they then didn't have an amateur to ride mm. our horse in the last race. I mean, I don't think it was relevant to Mum at the time or my sisters that were there with me. I was probably their main priority, but, you know, it was it was... I think it was hard for the family to take again. And what was it like family discussions off the back of that when it, when it became clear that you were going to perhaps in a slightly different vein and, and not quite so seriously return to, to race riding? Did you get any dissuaders about that, saying, look, you've had a couple now? Or you yourself, were you more realistic about the challenges that lay ahead? Had you, had you changed a bit mentally off the back of that? I think, I think so. I think I needed to be more realistic. And, um, you know, obviously there were very serious injuries and... I'm still only 27, you know, I have a, hopefully a lot of life ahead of me. Um, and my family have always been very supportive. And when I said, I want to ride, it's, my, it's in my blood, it's my passion. Um, we discussed and I was only going to come back and ride on the flat. Um, and, you know, I, I'm not as eager to get on anything and I'm not as brave anymore if there's a difficult one on the ad, I'm not the first to volunteer anymore. Um, but no, I was always going to try and come back. Um, and being in the Jack Berry house, they did a tremendous job to get me physically fit and recovered as quickly as we could. It is a remarkable place, though, oh. isn't it? Where, without that, would you have struggled? I think so, because my injury was a little bit more complex with the soft tissue. They knew how to manage my return. You know, I was there, it was a just under six months it took me from falling to being back on the race course and you know they worked very hard and they worked with me and not only did they work with me physically but I was seeing um, Phil Kinsella from Jets as well and he provided a huge support to listen to your worries to open your eyes to what other opportunities you could get and he was really great in um, supporting me and I actually through being discussions with Phil I actually applied for the Alex Scott Future Trainers um, travel scholarship and I, I was successful in my application and so actually that opportunity led me to go to Florida this winter and work for Graham Motion's team out in in America. So I look a lot of positives have come of, of weight but I think talking to you much as that has come from you and your outlook you seem a very positive person. Well, I think you have to be. And actually, I always try and find any positive that you can. You can always find a positive in any situation. And I think positivity will attract more positivity. And don't get me wrong, I can still complain and I can still twine. But I think you need to, I think you need to be realistic, but try and find positives in every situation. I mean, we're actually very, very fortunate. I've had so many opportunities through racing. I think racing are trying to drive the whole industry forward. I mean, you only have to look now in, in Yards for Stable Staff, there's mentoring and there's coaching. For young jockeys, there's um, uh, jockey coaches. There's jets that are constantly trying to engage current jockeys in training. And for people like me, who's now in a bit of an in-between 
stages there's things like the Toby Balding Award and the, the Travel Scholarship available and I think there's so much out there if you open your eyes and actually try to strive forward. So what is what is lying ahead for you Emma? Is it is it is it you and your, your mum together going and going and training together a sort of double-pronged attack on it? Is, is that the immediate future for you? Yeah absolutely. I since my return from America which was my real transition into wanting to train looking at things from a trainer's point of view as opposed to a jockey's point of view. Um, I've loved working with my mum. She is brilliant and we work, I think, very, very well as a team. And there's always been a little bit of chat that, oh, I'll take over from her and I'm going to push her out. Absolutely not. I don't think she would hand over the reins anytime soon. Um, but hopefully one day we'll be com competition. But for now, no, I think I've got an awful lot still more to learn. How, how good was... Carlisle last last Monday and and Radana was it the dream fairy tale? Had you not have won on Radana, would you have stepped down? I think so. I think having won at Ascot the previous week, which was an absolute dream, um, and then to follow up at Carlisle in front of your home crowd with your friends and your family was just the icing on the cake. And, and you just you you were saying to me off air, you know, we know the horse goes left, so you just let him go over there. Yeah, that was always the plan. As you could see, the rail actually came out into the middle of the track, so it was almost easier to keep going to this outside rail as it would be to, you know, go back to the inside rail. And once he has got that rail on his to his left, he stays very straight. You know, I'm not fighting with him to get him to keep going forward and you know he's such a gutsy little animal and he's in a career high mark and yet he stuck his neck out and he wanted to win just as much as I did that night. What was that feeling like? I was just completely elated, <laughs> completely elated. Did everyone know, did the family know that you were, you were going to say that's it? No I don't think so, I, I discussed it with my mum the night before, I said I think it would be a huge relief when tomorrow's over and I think without saying any more mum knew and I knew she knew relief for, from for, for you that you that you didn't actually have to go and ride again or, or just or just the, the the pressures that come with it it's not that you weren't enjoying riding but you it's about you've got to make that step away to, to progress down the road you want to go down is that fair yeah I think it was just a new chapter I'm ready to embrace what's next I don't know what entirely is next um, but I got to a point and Monday was the finale of that, of I'm ready to move on and see what lies ahead for me. Luck on Sunday, proudly sponsored by Albasti at Cruel Dubai. You've been listening to the Luck on Sunday podcast, the weekly digest of the best bits from Luck on Sunday, the programme that brings you the best guests and insights from around the racing world.